Melanin Fix, where melanin kings and melanin queens share their perspective on love, relationships, sex, entrepreneurship, and much more. I'm your host, Charmaine. Now let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Melanin Fix. On this episode of The Melanin Fix, we have a special guest, and she goes by the name of Gia. She also has a YouTube channel called Gia's World, so if you want to check that out after you listen to this show, please do so. So without further ado, here's Gia. And I have Gia here with me. Well, I mean, not literally, but <laughs> she is on the phone, and um, how are you doing? Um, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me as a guest on The Melanin Fix. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for um, doing this. You know, I definitely had you in mind because I feel like the topics that we're going to talk about on this episode, um, you will do this episode very, I mean, a lot of justice. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So um, I don't know if you've heard any of the previous episodes, but I like to do a thing called melanin motivators. So basically it's someone in the melanin community that you want to give a shout out to, <clears throat> excuse me, or um, someone that's doing something great in the community. So I'm going to give you mine, and then if you have one, you can give me yours. Okay. Okay, so my melanin motivator for this episode is Charlemagne the God. And of course, I know you know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm picking him because I feel like Charlemagne, he's not afraid to speak his mind. He is, you know, a straight shooter, no chaser, and he's not afraid to, um, I don't want to say offend anyone, but he's not afraid to say what's on his mind, regardless of what the backlash may be. And then on top of all of that, you know, he started, um, I don't want to say from the bottom, but he's been building his career and a big name for himself by being on the radio show and then recently coming out with a book. So I'm just really, really inspired by him and yeah so he's my melanin motivator do you have one okay yes um I think that was this is awesome to have a melanin motivator (laughs) my uh melanin motivator would have to be Rihanna right now um because of her own um beauty line uh skincare and makeup products that is extremely inclusive and recognizes all of the beautiful shades of skin complexions that people have represented for the melanin uh, people of the world you know you finally have something that is nice quality it represents you it honors you and it's a person of color who created the line so I'm extremely um, happy to say that Rihanna is my melanin motivator oh yeah most definitely she's definitely doing her thing out here and it's very like you said it's very inspirational because for her first line to be launching that many shades, that's like a big deal because not yes. too many, you know, not too many brands do that when they initially launch their line. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so kudos to Miss Rihanna. Um, okay, so let's just dive right into these topics. I don't want to hold you too long. Um, so my first question, and I think we kind of go back when I was doing YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And, um. So my question is, what is it like to be a YouTube content creator? Like, what do you go through and what is your strategy when you're creating your YouTube videos? And how did you get started? 
Okay, this is a very good question here. Um, <laughs> I first started doing YouTube videos on a uh, consistent basis in summer of 2010, July 2010, to be more specific. Um, I first started making videos just as a project for a class during my junior year in high school in 2009. And I just decided, you know what, I like being able to film videos, come up with skits, uh, talk about different issues going on in the world, whether it's celebrity gossip or political issues going on. I wanted to address it and speak my uh, opinion on it. So I just started being more consistent with it in summer of 2010. As far as what I go through, um, honestly, you know, sometimes you need motivation to continue to be consistent and talk about topics. Uh, you know, again, if it's celebrities, whatever Usher may be doing, or, you know, you're doing a video game unboxing, trying to keep fresh content for people who do visit your YouTube channel, that can be, you know, a trial and error. Um, some of the things that I've noticed over the years, YouTube has changed drastically since I started uploading seven years ago to what it is today, because it just seems like seven years ago, it was just much easier for people to upload content, get noticed, gain subscribers, and get views, and really blow up off of YouTube, where now it's heavily saturated. A lot of people are doing the same thing, like they're in these couple relationships, and they make it into a reality show, right? just by vlogging every day. And of course, over the past few months, people have started realizing some of these couples are fake, and they're literally just on there to get attention and become famous, which, you know, not to knock them, but it ends up becoming extremely saturated with everyone doing the same thing, or they're all doing prank videos, which we all kind of know they're fake because mm -hmm. they're scripted for them to even be on there. So a lot of this stuff is kind of like, okay, this isn't even reality anymore. So how do you stay, um, how do you stay, I guess, irrelevant, you know, relevant in this, in, in today's new YouTube world. So that is like a constant process. It can be a struggle for some, it can be, um, it can demotivate people, but it's something that I guess for me as a content creator, is something that I have to deal with if I want to continue to build an audience and uh, communicate with other people via uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, and I definitely relate to that because when I first started YouTube, um, I was doing makeup. So that was kind of like my thing. I just, I really started learning everything from YouTube. So like okay. my senior year of high school, that's when I really started experimenting, experimenting with makeup and watching YouTube videos. And I'm like, hey, if they can make, you know, videos, I can too. So during that time, that was back in 2009. And I just started putting out videos and it just kind of went from there. I don't, I wouldn't say that my audience was big, but I was motivated by the other people that were on YouTube, you know, making these videos. So after I stopped doing the makeup videos, I kind of transitioned and started doing daily vlogging, which was a lot of fun for me because I got to document my life and, you know, look back on all those videos and the things I was going through. But then after a while, I kind of got tired of doing that because it didn't seem like my audience was growing. 
I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. So it's kind of hard, when, especially when you're putting in all that time and effort, recording the content, editing the content, waiting for it to upload, and then you really don't get the numbers that you feel like you deserve. So I kind of got discouraged, and that's why I kind of stopped my whole YouTube. Yes, I, I totally get, I can relate. Again, um, I was watching your makeup tutorial videos, and then like you said, a lot of people don't understand the background work that goes into you know, creating your content and uploading it to YouTube. So, like, people don't see, you know, first of all, if you, once you really start getting into YouTube, you start realizing there's certain cameras that you need to try to purchase or rent or borrow so you can have quality footage. So, again, if you're really into YouTube, a lot of YouTubers use DSLR cameras. Right. You know, or people have moved to 4K and mirrorless with Sony cameras. These things cost money. <laughs> People can't just, you know, you want to bring them quality. And then some folks are looking into light light kits, which I plan on making a purchase soon to have a stationary light kit in my office. So when I do videos, the lighting will be better. Yeah. That's more money that people, they don't see you, you know, editing the, the video content, which can take hours depending on how you want to have it uh, edited and how you want it to be portrayed to the viewers once you upload it like people don't see that and if you're doing makeup reviews and you're just now starting out you may not have sponsors so you're paying for the makeup and whatever you're reviewing out of your own pocket yeah Again, people don't see that they just assume and then like you said you put in all that time and effort money only to get a few views it can be discouraging and Again, it didn't used to be like this seven years ago. And I'm, I, I mean, I know you know. It, it just seems to me YouTube was so much more, to me, diverse and easier for people in the past. Where now it's just people are struggling to get, you know, 100 views, which makes no sense when you look at your subscription count and you're like, wait a minute, you know, you have a thousand plus subscribers, yet you can't get 100 views on a video. Exactly. So, it's just strange because it did not used to be like that back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, speaking, well, going back to where you were saying that there's couples that are on Instagram, I mean, not Instagram, but on YouTube that are, you know, not, I don't want to say doing um, reality TV, but it gives you that feel when you're watching their videos mm -hmm. and then they're doing all these pranks and it, it's becoming oversaturated with the pranks. Now, have you heard of this couple? They're called Chris and Queen. Yes, I have. <laughs> yes. Now, I was so, well, it took me a while to, you know, hear about them because I knew nothing about them. I just used to see pictures of them on Instagram and on Facebook. And then one day I just clicked on one of their YouTube videos and then I just got hooked to, you know, watching their stuff. Mm -hmm. But I noticed once they started doing all those pranks, like the cheating pranks and um, somebody wanting to leave them or get a divorce, they didn't realize that they were putting all that energy out into the universe. So they yes. were speaking that stuff into existence. So as soon as they were doing those pranks, they were putting that out there as if that's what they really wanted. And then it wasn't no surprise to me when there was those cheating allegations and it was all that craziness. So when that happened... 
it kind of made me look at them differently because number one, you're doing this in front of the whole world to see when that should be private. And I get that they're young, but I just thought that was crazy. I agree. I agree all the way. And it really is unfortunate. Um, and it makes you really question, are people even being authentic and real? And that's why now when I see couple videos, I automatically assume okay, this is probably fake, these are probably friends, and they're trying to get famous on YouTube. I'm just going, that's really how I look at it now, because it's to the point where that's all you see, and then everybody's doing pranks, and then before Chris and Queen, I used to watch um, Girlfriend versus Boyfriend, and that was basically a prank. All they did was prank each other, and guess what? They're not together anymore either. So it's like you said, you doing all these pranks, and the next thing you know, no, this person really did cheat on you. <laughs> this person right. really is out here doing you dirty. It's crazy, and I don't know if it's this new generation, but I feel like when we were growing up, it, it was completely different. Or even when we were in high school and we got a little older, the things that this new generation is doing is completely different than what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just so weird to me. And I mean, I can't blame them because there really aren't any positive role models out there that are making them want to do anything differently. Mm. I agree. I agree because, like you mentioned, for us, when I was growing up, as I came into being a teenager in high school, YouTube was, you just saw funny videos and you could watch unlimited music videos. Right. Then you started realizing, oh, I could upload my own stuff on here if I wanted to and I could become a YouTuber. So at the beginning, you know, I saw people like Shay Carl and the Shay Tards and then you yeah. saw uh, people doing makeup tutorials and music videos and just having fun to, to the point where here we are today, seven, ten years later you know everything's niched so you're either doing video games and video game reviews makeup makeup tutorial hair natural hair community stuff like that or you're in a fake relationship doing pranks to get views it's like what is going on so that's what i meant earlier when i uh, mentioned that to me youtube was way more diverse back in the day it was so many different videos you could watch it was not like you were going to see the same thing on everybody's channel where now it's like literally everybody's copying each other and there's no more originality. Definitely. And it's just like, okay. And then too, trying to build relationships with your subscribers is, (laughs) is a whole nother issue on YouTube now where back in the day you, your subscribers were loyal and they were watching your videos. They were leaving comments. They were trying to follow you on other social media platforms where today that is just not the case. And I feel like it can be, you know, maybe we need to improve our videos and and the topics we talk about or we present. And then on the other flip side, when Google purchased YouTube, to me, that's when YouTube went down the drain. Yeah. Because now everything is commercial. You know, everything's about making money. It's no longer about really having a platform to broadcast yourself and express yourself now you know if you have too many curse words or whatever you uh your videos gets bumped down and you're no longer in the 
in the general light for people to catch your videos. And then recently they've um, introduced the whole notification squad, which makes no sense because the whole point of you subscribing to a person was to get notified about their videos. Where now, if you don't click the bell, you won't be notified even if you're subscribed to them. It's just, so to me, you know, Google has made it really, has made YouTube worse in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I had no idea a lot of that stuff was going on. And I guess it's because I kind of disconnected myself from being a content creator on there. So this is like the first time I'm hearing a lot of this and it's it's crazy. A lot, girl, a lot has changed. I mean, this summer alone, they pretty much made it where you cannot be monetized if you don't have at least 10,000 subscribers where before you could be monetized with a hundred subscribers. Right. You know, they've just made it really difficult for people. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. But um, I kind of want to switch gears. Um, a lot of people they may not know, but I know that you're heavy in the community in Flint, as far as giving back and being um sticking up for people's rights and voicing your opinions on, you know, how you feel about certain things, things that are going on in the media, especially with the Flint water crisis. So my question is for you. um, Why is it important to stand up for what you believe in or take a stand for what you believe in? I feel again, thank you again for a shout out and having me as a guest on the Melanin Fix podcast. Um, I feel that it's important to be to be aware and to speak up and speak out about social injustice and inequalities uh, simply because, you know, as a human being, we all live on this earth together. And, you know, as much as we like to talk about being individuals, in my opinion, we're not really individuals because nobody is original. People copy what other people do and what other people do ultimately affects you later on down the road. So, you know, this whole, I'm basically on the earth by myself, that just doesn't exist to me. So if I see somebody that's in my community and they're struggling with, you know, maybe it's drug addiction, maybe it's not having enough food or having a place to go, that is going to impact me eventually. So why not be proactive, you know, and, and make sure that people have their basic human rights and needs met and honored? I want to make sure that people in my community have clean water, have a house or a home to go to, have shelter, have clothes, have decent quality food, because I want people to have a decent quality of life so we can all thrive together in our communities. So, you know, for me, I don't have to be a part of a specific group or that issue might not, you know, firsthand affect me, but I don't want to see other people suffering in my community. And if I can do something about it or I can do something to prevent it, I'm going to speak up, I'm going to speak out, and I'm going to put action behind my words. That's definitely commendable because there's not a lot of people that are willing to put their self out on the line, especially like their image or um, they don't want to be looked at differently because they're going to different protests or they feel that if someone sees them out there, they may go back and tell somebody else and then they may lose their job or whatever the case may be. 
I just want you to know that I appreciate you for doing that because for me, I I don't know if I would do it. I mean, depending on what it was for and what the cause was, maybe I would. But just to know that you're out there doing it and you're doing it without, you know, second guessing anything and just going with your gut and what you believe in. I just want you to know that I appreciate what you're doing for the community in Flint. Thank you. Thank you so much. And again, I get, you know, it is about, you know, understanding, I guess, your own comfort zone. And I understand everybody isn't going to do it. And everybody isn't going to, you know, everyone has different ways of fighting social justice or speaking out about issues. You know, some of us will donate, you know, to a cause and not say anything about it, but just use some financial funds to help the situation. Others will be on social media, hashtagging and speaking about it and writing statuses and tweets about it. Others will be on the front line, you know, actually protesting, marching, writing and calling uh, senators and Congress people. And others are like, you know what? We're going to take this uh, systematic oppression down we're going to work within the system to break it down. So there's so many different tactics to fighting against oppression. And you, to me, do what's comfortable for you and something that you have no problem doing. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. As long as you feel that you're doing something to better society and help another person, to me, that's what should count and matter. Right. And now I guess my biggest issue is I don't want to see people that are in, you know, our generation thinking that this is just a trend or a fad that you should go out to these different protests and just do it because everyone is everyone else is doing it and they don't understand the meaning behind it. They just want to follow the trend or they want to be seen. And I just hope that the kids or not kids, but the youth that's out there doing it are doing it because they feel that it's important, not just because they want to shine or be on Instagram or on the news or whatever the case may be. Agreed. You, you want it to be genuine. I agree. Um, for me, again, I want it to be genuine. I do want people to see other people doing it and think, you know what, I could be out here helping my community too. What can I do personally to help my community or help someone else who may be in need? I think that is great. Now, that's the monkey see, monkey do stuff I want to see versus such and such is doing drugs, so I'm going to do it. I don't want to see that. I want to see us taking the time to get to know our neighbors and help one uh, one another out. However, I agree, some people, this has become a trend. So, you know, we have issues in our own social justice communities where there are people who literally are, who come in and it's almost like, they profit off of the suffering of other people. And, you know, we even call it oppression porn, where people literally get off on seeing other communities and other groups of people being denied human rights, being denied, you know, equal access to resources. And it's sad that there are people like that. But I would like to think overwhelmingly that's not the case. But at the same time, um, these issues occur. There are people out here who are doing it for a trend or to gain attention or power for themselves. Most definitely. I agree 100%. Um, what, what, how do you feel about attention seekers in the media? So say for instance, I mean, I, I try not to talk about politics too much because, you know, 
back in the day, and I was talking to my mom recently, but I remember years ago when I was growing up, you never discussed um, what Democratic Party you belonged to. You never told people if you were a Republican or a Democrat. You never told people who you were voting for. You never, you just never discussed that type of stuff. It was always private. But going back to my question, like, what do you feel or how do you feel about what Trump is doing in the media? What I think, again, I'm a proud progressive liberal. I am a card-carrying registered Democrat in the state of Michigan, and I'm proud of my political beliefs, my ideologies, and I'm proud to be a progressive liberal. As far as I'm concerned, when I see what uh, 45 is doing, it's it's sad, it's detrimental, uh, it's bigoted, it's closed-minded, but at the same time, this was what was expected. I just feel like, again, people knew this knew his character. I mean, you and I can't. I get tired of trying to sugarcoat how I feel or you know my thoughts on Forty Five and his constituents and his you know supporters. But at the end of the day, when you have someone getting up here saying racist remarks, talking about they're going to build a wall and those Muslims and those black folks, you can't tell me you don't support racism if you're going to turn around and vote for that person. You pretty much proved to me that you don't care about people of color and you are a racist. You are a bigot. You are close-minded. And I'm tired of us, you know, tiptoeing around these words and, oh, we don't want to offend such and such because they have no problem with offending you on a daily basis um, and passing laws to continue to oppress you and hold you down and keep people away from uh, the American dream or the access to resources that people need. As far as I'm concerned, what 45 is doing is what was expected. I mean, when you listen to his campaign rhetoric and the things that he was saying and promoting at his rallies, the the, the blatant racism, sexism, misogyny, homophobia, Islamophobia, and xenophobia, it was just there. You know, this person constantly is saying rude and disrespectful things and never is being held accountable. Here he is supporting an alleged child molester, Roy Moore. And keep in mind, this is the same person who said, you know, you can just grab a person by their private area. And yet this is the president of the United States of America. So, you know, if we need it to me, if we need any proof that we live in a closed minded uh, oppressive system in the USA. Uh, what more proof do you need when that is your president? Yeah, and you know, I and I may be contradicting what I'm saying right now, but the only reason why I'm speaking about it is because I want people to see things from from my perspective. So my issue is that there's a lot of um, people in the media, like the shade rooms or the baller alert. All these other, you know, social media gossip sites that give him so much um, publicity. Now, if you think about it, he's an attention seeker. So people who seek attention are going to continuously do things in order to get attention or rise out of people. So the more that we publicize him, the more that we give him, you know, publicity in social on social media, the more he's going to act out because he's seeking that attention. 
So do you think if we would just stop talking about him in the media and all that stuff that he would simmer down? I would like to think that things would, because he, he does seem to be narcissistic and uh, want everything to be focused on him. And if he's not getting attention, that he doesn't know how to live or function. That is kind of how it seems to be. It's almost like a, it's almost like we're dealing with a five-year-old who is having a tantrum, you know, and it, there's no parental guidance at all. Um, and I do feel like if we did kind of ignore him, things uh, as far as him going on Twitter and doing a whole bunch of rants at 3 o'clock in the morning would probably decrease. However, he is still the president of the United States of America and he still has uh, loyal followers. So we would have, to me, we would have to do more than ignore this person. And what I'm hoping is that uh, with midterm elections coming up next year in 2018, we can really get quality candidates who are really about social justice and serving the people and serving the public to run. And we can actually uh, get people interested in voting again because i feel like a lot of people have lost faith in voting for for various reasons i mean because you know we have uh gerrymandering which we're trying to get rid of in the state of michigan um where you literally have politicians picking their voters and not voters picking their politicians so i'm hoping um that we can ignore him but at the same time continue to have action behind our efforts and make sure that we're working in our communities and we're grassroots organizing to get people uh, organized, mobilized, and ready to do the work, ready to push forward. Because we can't just, it's just like, I mean, I would love to ignore him. I really would. But what I've learned in life is, you know, when you ignore issues, the issues have a, a possibility of becoming bigger problems down the road. And that's where I worry about, you know, with us ignoring him and his antics. In the meantime, the Republican Party is passing um, tax reforms that literally are not only destroying the, the work or the middle class, but literally knocking the working class and the working poor out. And it's like I can't ignore those issues. I have to be out here advocating, uh, educating myself passing information to others so we can uh, mobilize and do something about this and protect our communities from uh, disasters. Yeah, most definitely. Now, I want to, you know, bring it back to a brighter note. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful that we were able to live in an era, era where we had a black president. And I know President Obama worked hard to get into the White House and he set a goal for himself and he achieved that goal. So how important do you think it is in setting goals and how do you start writing out your goals to achieve those goals? Um, I think setting goals and setting, you know, realistic and smart goals is really important. I'm, I'm a firm believer in speaking into existence However, make sure that you have actions behind your words. Um, I'm always using the hashtag actions over rhetoric because it's easy to talk about what you want to do, but are you going to have action steps and plans to make your dreams an actual reality? Because a lot of times it's easy to talk to your friends or you know make a status on a social media platform 
And then months later, you still haven't lost the weight you said you were going to lose. You still haven't made the blog that you said you were going to write. So it's like we have to really make sure we have uh, action steps. So for me, I like to write it down in my journal or on a piece of paper. And then, like, for example, I'll have a bullet. Okay, I want to lose weight, which I say that all the time. But, okay, what are the action steps that I can write? So maybe I can write a few more uh, subheading bullets. Okay, you want to lose weight. Let's look at changing your diet. Let's make sure that we're going to the gym a few times a week. Let's take away pop and add more water. So, like, making sure I have actions that are actual small steps that I can take to get to the final goal of losing weight or whatever I'm trying to achieve. Okay. I agree with that. And now that kind of takes me back to where or when I first started um, Melanin University. So it kind of just hit me out of nowhere. I think I was on social media one day, or I know for sure I was on social media, and I saw some people that weren't African-American that were using darker foundation to get that melanin hue. So when I saw that, and you know, me transitioning from being a makeup artist into something different, that struck a chord with me because it's like, man, it's a lot of people out here that aren't comfortable with their complexions, but it's someone from another race that is trying to mimic what you have. So why not embrace it and enjoy the skin that you're in? So that's when I kind of tied in, you know, the melanin aspect of it and then the university, because I think when I think of a university, I think of a group of people in a community that are all trying to achieve the same goal. So then that's when I kind of tied everything together. But as soon as I had that vision, I ran with it. I, I really didn't wait too long to achieve that goal because I felt like the more you sit on something, um, it starts to fade. So you have to strike it when it's hot. And most people, they don't do that because they're fearful that it's not going to come out the way they want it to or they think people are going to judge them or not believe in their brand or whatever the case may be. But I just think it's very important to, you know, just focus on what you want and what you're passionate about and it'll all come together. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, it will come together. And like you said, I remember when you first had um, – we're speaking about Melanie University, the clothing brand, and then the whole culture behind it. And now it's a podcast as well as clothing. And, and then it's also inspirational and it motivates people. It's really, it's, it's bigger than just a clothing brand or a name. It's so much to it. And I'm very happy for you and proud of you. And it's nice to see um, a person's dreams come to fruition. You know, you made it into a reality. Thank you. Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't been easy. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and I say it all the time on um Facebook. People they only see the glitz and the glam of being an entrepreneur. They don't see the behind the scenes and when you're struggling to pay for certain things, paying for your trademark or paying for, you know, different materials that you need to get your brand started. They just see that oh, you have a brand. And it's a big thing. So let me try to see if I can get something free out of them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, you know, going back to what we discussed earlier with YouTube, I guess that's one of the positives about the vlogs 
is that you can really show people behind the scenes uh, the work, the effort, the time, the struggle that goes into creating this because it's just like, you know, from your clothing brand and to me with my uh, with my master's degree, like people just assume, oh, look at you, you're doing blah, blah, blah. But nobody knows that you were up at 3 o'clock in the morning typing a paper or drafting a logo design. <laughs> you know, nobody sees you working two and three jobs to make this a reality. So yeah. you can afford these things. So it's like you said, it's easy to look, you know, from the outside in and be like, oh, man, I can't wait. You know, I want that. And it's like I always hear people talk about they want the success, but they don't want to go through the struggle. Right. To get to that success. And I feel like a lot of that uh, has come about because. I call us the microwave generation where we, we literally think that we can put some of us, not all of us, some of us literally think that I can put little amount of effort and then all of a sudden I'm just going to be the, the biggest thing out. And that's why I call it the microwave generation because with a microwave, you expect for something to be heat up in three minutes versus taking the time to put it in the oven <laughs> and, you know, going through the whole process. And it's like, again, it's a lot of, you know, effort, blood, sweat, and tears that comes at the end of the rainbow, you know. Yeah, it looks beautiful now, but you have to really look at the process that people went through to get to where they're at today. Definitely. Like, people, I don't know who it was that said, I can't remember where this quote comes from, but they're talking about how people, they want, they want to shine, but they don't want to go through the struggle to get that shine. So it's along the lines of the same thing that you just said. But I think that pretty much wraps up everything that I wanted to talk about. Did you have anything that you wanted to touch on? Um, No, I just want to say thank you again for having me as a guest on the Melanin Fix podcast. Um, and it's an honor to know you and, and, and queens be like and see other people of color and young folks making their dreams a reality. And I really support the entrepreneur spirit. Thank you. And, you know, thanks again for taking the time out to, you know, do this show with me. And I just want everybody to know that Gia is the first person that placed a huge order for Melanie University. And for that, like, I'm forever grateful because she spent a lot of money um, on her first order. And she used all of her clothing that she purchased to do her um, her pictures for her it was your senior your graduation for um college right yeah yeah so I just think that was just so dope and so um it's just something that I'll never forget and especially seeing those pictures it's just it's an amazing feeling well thank you and and it was nice to do business with someone I knew another person of color and a young person out here doing it, you know, really, really putting in the work to do it. And it was it was an honor to spend uh, to do business with you and to wear your clothing brand um, during my uh, graduation picks. And I got to give a shout out to Jermaine King, J, uh, J. King Productions, Alvin J. Brown with iSnap Studios and Mr. Westonizer, because they were the ones who filmed and edited and uh, shot the photography for for all of that so it was really uh it really was a melanin university thing because everybody was out here to make it happen and, and bringing their skills and talents together to make it happen so thank you yeah and definitely shout out to them because those pictures were amazing <laughs> thank you you're welcome 
So Gia, how can people follow you or um, find you on YouTube? Um, well, thanks again. Uh, they can follow me on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Snapchat, um, Facebook at Gia's World. You know, if you type in Gia's World, J-I-A-S-W-O-R-L-D, you will find me. Thank you again. You're welcome. So, um, like I said, this wraps up episode number three. I can't believe we're in episode three already. <laughs> this is great. Yes. So, um, once again, this is the ending of episode number three. And if you have any questions or if you want to submit letters or you need advice, please send all of that information to the melaninfix at gmail.com and you may be featured on the next episode. Thank you for listening.